0: Oh, thank you, John, choir, grateful to God for you guys. Take your Bible and go to Acts 13. We are there this morning in the first 13 verses. Grateful to God for uh, the music today. Orchestra, thank you. Uh, Here in a couple of weeks, two weeks from tonight, isn't that it? Going to have that orchestra concert, 6 o'clock on Sunday night. Always a great time when uh, the orchestra comes together and blesses us, and so uh, you don't want to miss that. Acts 13. Beginning in verse number 1, we'll read through the 13th verse this morning in a message that I've entitled, People You Meet on a Mission Trip. How many of you have you ever been on a mission trip? Yeah, a lot of folks, amen. Well, if you leave this place today and you're saved, you're going on a mission trip. You see these signs when you leave the campus? It says you are now entering the mission field. Well, you're on a mission trip. Now, I know when we think a mission trip, we're going, you know, overseas or uh, somewhere to be helping a church, but you know, you're on a mission trip when you leave this place today, on mission, wherever you might go, amen. So, let's look at those people we're going to meet on mission, and we find that in Acts 13, we began reading verse number 1, read down through verse number 13. You listen now, because this is indeed the Word of our great God. Now, there were at an Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. We looked at those five men last Sunday. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when he had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the Word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they, were, they also had John as their helper. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as paths they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. The man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him, and he said, You are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. You will not cease to, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. But John left them and returned to Jerusalem. We're finding that the Acts 1-8 Commission of Jesus is now moving into stage number three. He said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They've done that. Judea and Samaria. They've done that. And to the uttermost part of the earth, to all the world. This begins the worldwide mission advance as Paul and Barnabas take off from that Antioch church and they are going into the world. And you see that uh, there were five of them, leaders there, prophets, teachers. And they were ministering, as we saw last week, to the Lord. They were fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to this work for which I have called them." Now in our church we, we have various leaders and we, we call them like the pastor and the staff and then deacons. We're electing deacons right now. Uh, this week between now and next Sunday will be the last day. You find one of these uh, cards. You can do that at five mission stations out there. There's a place to drop those nominations in. It's not election time. That'll come in a few weeks. But we're in the nominating process. And if you have somebody to nominate, you put them in there. And these, these men serve in the body life of our church. Uh, Adam Principe is our chairman uh, this year, leading us in a marvelous way. Well, here they have these leaders in the church, just like we have leaders. But then the Spirit of God spoke and said, that man and that man. Barnabas and Saul set them aside ordained them for this task you understand all of us are commissioned as I said when you leave this place you're on mission but there are some who are tapped to preach the gospel to be a missionary what they used to call in the little country church where I was from they called it a call to special service. We all serve, but if you were gonna go into the ministry, uh, they use that phrase, special service. That's not a Bible phrase, that's a mountain phrase. Special service. But you understood the call of God within your life. And some of you are in this room and you've been battling that. Call to preach, to call to lay down, this vocation, pick up another where God's called you. Happened to him. I was 17 years old. I had no plans to be a preacher. One of our men out here in the foyer today said, Pastor, I had a, a dream last night. I said, yeah. He said, it was really a nightmare. I said, what? He said, I, I dream you called on me to preach. <laughs> and he said, I stood up to do it, and nobody would be quiet. He said, how do you do? What you do? Well, I don't know. But I know this, if you don't have the call of God on your life, you're going to be in a mess. Well, these men were called, and they were sent out. G. Campbell Morgan said when he was called that an old missionary told him, he said, you know, Campbell, there are sent ones, and there are went ones. Some that are sent. And some that just went. They just thought it'd be a good thing to do. Well, you don't have to be one of the went ones and go very long to find out. It may not be a good thing to do unless the call of God is on your life. And so he said, Barnabas and Saul, I select them. Now, church, send them. And they were in Antioch. You can see on the map that will flash up on the screen. They were in Antioch. In northern Syria which is southern Turkey today and they left Antioch and went 30 miles to the sea coast and there they were in Seleucia as the text tells us and that's a coastal city then they got in a ship and they made their way to the island of Cyprus and there were two towns on the island of Cyprus this is Barnabas hometown remember that's where he had the uh, property that he sold and brought it to the church back in the earlier part of Acts. And so they sailed for Cyprus. There they were at Salamis. And then from the east side they went to the west side to Paphos. And they were ambassadors on mission for the Lord. Leaving Antioch, down to the seashore, over to Cyprus, You'd find Salamis on the other side, then to Paphos. And there is the first leg of the missionary journey. When they leave there, they're going to go north, sail. You'll see them headed right up into that cove area. To Pamphylia is the title. It's not on this particular map, but that's the next leg of the journey. But they begin on Cyprus with the first leg of the missionary journey. They are ambassadors. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world in himself. Not counting their trespasses against him. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, look at verse 20. We are there's our word ambassadors for Christ as though God look at this we are ambassadors as if God were making an appeal through us I've listened to dr. W.A. Criswell all of my life I've listened to him I heard him live for years and years and of course now he's dead and gone but all of his sermons are online and when I walk I, he's one of the three preachers I listen to on a regular basis I walk in the morning and when he gets to the end of his sermon. He does the same thing every time. He said, now we're going to all stand and we will sing the hymn of our appeal. That's his word for the invitation. We're going to sing the hymn of our appeal. Well, it's as if God was making an appeal through us. And we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you are lost, then an ambassadors one that God is in them and through them and he's saying come to me come to me come to me how shall they hear without a preacher we are ambassadors that is exactly what Barnabas and Paul it's about to be called Paul Saul is doing and God is reaching through them to give this witness And God is to witness through you if you're a Christian. God is to make that appeal through you, through your life, uh, through your lifestyle, through your language, through your witness, through your gospel conversation. Who will we meet when we head out on mission this week? Well, there are three people that they meet immediately, and I want to show them to you this morning. Here are the people that we meet. On a mission trip. First of all, we will meet counterfeits. Counterfeits, they are not the real deal. So, Barnabas, Saul, they're on the way, and their first thing they do is they stop at the synagogue. There they preach. Of course, Saul has this background uh, of Jewish theology, and he's known well. He goes in. They allow him to preach. He's sharing the gospel. And verse 6 says, they had gone through the whole island as far as Pephas, and they found a magician. Look at it. A Jewish false prophet, verse 6 says. His name was Bar-Jesus. That word Bar is son. He was known as the son of Jesus. (laughs) what a reprobate what a counterfeit he was not the son of Jesus he was a counterfeit he was a false prophet he was the magician alongside the governor the governor Sergius Paulus and Sergius Paulus was an intelligent man and he asked for Barnabas and Saul to come it said right there in verse number seven we'll get to him in a moment but this magician, he had a second name. Not only he called himself Bar-Jesus, but his name was always was also Elymas. In verse number 8, the magician, for so his name was translated, he was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. You'll meet counterfeits when you go out into the world. You share the gospel, you'll, you'll have people that will come against you. This man did. There are counterfeits all around us today. And friend, if you don't understand it, when we go in this world with the gospel, we are in a warfare with a post-truth culture in the year 2022. This is not a post-Christian culture. We've already moved past that. We are in a post-truth culture. And there are false prophets all around us, and you could call them Bar Jesus, a magician, these false prophets. They are spouting anti truth all around us. People will say, Well, you shouldn't talk about that. Well, what did Paul do? He looked at him, and he is full of the Spirit. And the Bible says he fixed his gaze on him. If you had a mother that was mean, you know what this text means. You ever had your mama fix her gaze on you? I've had my mama fix her gaze from the choir on me. Amen. Like a laser. Zzz. I knew when I got home, I was toast. (laughs) Saul fixed his gaze on him. And then because he wanted to be kind, in verse 10, he said, you're full of deceit (laughs) and fraud. You are not the son of Jesus. You are the son of the devil. The enemy of all righteousness. And you will not cease. Will you not cease? This is a great question. Will you not stop? Hmm. To make crooked all the straight ways. That's what we got going on in America today. They're taking the straight ways and making them crooked. they are counterfeit religions all around us. They don't name Jesus as Lord. They say he's just one of many ways to God. That's a false prophet. There are people who say Jesus can't save you. That's a false prophet. There are people who tell you that you got to do things in addition to Jesus. you got to eat a cracker or be baptized in order to get to heaven. That's a false prophet. Friend, there's just one way to heaven. There's the only way to heaven. It's the Jesus way to heaven. You say, that's awful narrow. It's just as narrow as Jesus was. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no woman, no person goes to the Father but that he comes through me. There's a false religion all around. But not only do we deal today with false religion, we are walking in the sexual revolution. It is ungodly what is going on all across our culture, and we really don't like to speak to it too much because of children, but uh, let me tell you, if you've got kids and grandkids, you you better get acquainted with the trans movement in this country. It's all around us. And I I know we have lots of folks here that are Disney people. Uh, I don't go to Disney. I send people to Disney in my place. They want me to go, and I said, I've already been. Or oh, if I'm in Orlando and somebody's got a ticket, I go. I'm not telling you don't go. That's not what I'm just saying I don't go. But you get ready. The movies they make, if you don't understand the trans movement, you're going to have to, understand, you're to, have to explain this to your children because they're going to ask you these questions. I was on the mountain week before last. For those of you that are guests, the mountain is Sand Mountain where I'm from in northeast Alabama. A man that was one year behind me in high school talked to me and he said, Ted, I had a run in with my grandkids the other day. I said, What's that? He said, Well, my seven year old walked up to me and said, Papa, what does buy mean? He said, Lord, I drew up inside. He said, I. He said, Papa, bye, what's that mean? He said, well, where'd you hear about this? He said, well, I was looking on the football schedule and Alabama and Auburn have a bye week on, on there. What? What? He said, I've never been so relieved in all my life. He said, "Shh." I said, but Robert, you do know you're going to have to understand that because he's going to come back and and ask you not to just spell it B-Y-E or B-Y, but he's going to come back to B-I. There is a false sexual revolution going across this nation and they're counterfeits and they will tell you that falsehood is truth and crooked is straight and we must be ready to stand and speak the truth in love being people of truth, with grace, uh, not being hellish, but Pauline. <laughs> you are of your daddy the devil. And Friend, you, you just got to understand, this is a truth issue. There's, there's false religion, there's a false sexual revolution, there's false politics that are all around us. I'm amazed that all of the trucks in South Florida going to turn on the electricity are full of gas. And <laughs> run no electric trucks down there to turn that electricity on. I'm not against you having an electric car. A matter of fact, I've ridden in some. Son, quiet is a mouse. I like the ride. But when politicians start telling you that you cannot have a gasoline engine, let me tell you, friend, that has moved beyond choice to tyranny. It's where we're headed in our culture. I heard one half infidel on the news this week said it's because of what we've done in our nation that this big hurricane's coming up. Do you know what blew Pensacola away? This is the first, the first city, the first settlement in America. You're sitting on it. Now, St. Augustine says they are, but they're a bunch of liars. We were here first. The 1500s, what happened to it? A hurricane blew us away. Then St. Augustine started, and they said, we're the longest settlement in it. Well, you are, but bless God we were here before you were, so get happy about it. (laughs) When did all that happen? Friend, it's when they were pulling horses and had sails on ships. Understand there is a political falsehood coming at you at hurricane speed. We must learn to face the counterfeits that we'll meet when we go on mission. Secondly, not only we meet counterfeits, but we meet converts. Hallelujah. The governor. This is a Roman province. The island of Cyprus is a Roman province. And Sergius Paulus is the proconsul, we'd call him the governor, of the Roman senatorial province on the island of Cyprus. And the Bible says, when he saw what happened to his magician, the Bible says in verse 12, he, epipistos, he believed. That is the strongest word for faith found in all of the New Testament. We don't know his testimony. We don't know if he was baptized. We don't know anything else about it, except it said he believed. Now, was he a true believer? I believe he was. Because it was at that moment that Saul flipped to Paul. Sergius Paulus was the first convert. Paul put on his Paul shoes out of his Gentile background, and from then on he's not Saul, he's Paul. I believe it all goes back to Sergius Paulus, the governor getting saved. Every governor ought to get saved, amen. Yes, sir, what a great nation it would be if every governor is saved. Every mayor ought to get saved. Every council person ought to get saved. Well, bless God, every member of Olive ought to get saved every preacher ought to be saved come to G- and you can if you believe now I just want to show you if you're here this morning and and you're outside of Christ you say, I'm just came with somebody here you don't name the name of Christ you're not a Christian or you say I've been through something but I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven I want you to understand today friend you can be sure you can be converted that word convert is the word strepho in the Greek New Testament. It means to turn, like you turn the top of a jar. You strefo, you turn it. You're going in one direction and then you're converting. You go in the other. That's when you believe and you repent. And you come to I want to show you two passages of Scripture. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. They'll come up on the screen. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, say it, Jesus as Lord and believe, there's our word, epipistos, if you believe in your heart the same word that Sergius Paul said had, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You can't just believe anything. You must believe the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus died, buried, raised again. You'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth confession, resulting in salvation. You need to confess it. You heard those two that were baptized. When Sean asked them, have you been saved? And they said, yes, glory to God. They confessed with their mouth. Jesus is Lord now take your Bible go to the right in Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians 2 look look at this text for just a moment Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 9 the Bible says look at it right here Ephesians chapter 2 go one more page preacher Ephesians 2 and verse number 4 but God being rich in mercy do you understand God's rich in mercy do you understand he loves you I don't care how mean you are, how crooked you are, how difficult you are. I'm telling you, the mercy of God comes to you. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he's loved. He loves you. He loves you. God loves you. And he's shown that mercy. Verse 5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved. You don't deserve it. No, I don't. But God gives us grace. And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ and for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it's the gift of God not of works so that no one may boast God presents that gift to you Jesus came and died for you and if you will receive and believe I'm telling you by the mercy of God he'll raise you and save you Well, it's always good when you meet a convert on a mission trip amen come and share Jesus and see them come to Jesus. Are you saved today? Amen? Amen. Amen. Friend, If you can't say amen and know it, mean it. When I I have them sing the hymn of appeal in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come right here and say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. There are counterfeits. There are converts. But there are one, one more category that we find very quickly we'll also meet cowards when we go on a mission trip now there's a gentleman that is on this mission trip and the Bible tells us about him in verse number 5 when they had reached silence began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews they also had John that's John Mark the writer of the gospel of Mark they had John as their helper The Bible does not say that the Holy Spirit told John Mark to go. Some people would tell you John Mark was not sent, he just went. He made his way. This is the nephew of Barnabas. He knew they were going to Cyprus. He, He went to see family. But when Paul and Barnabas started packing their bags for hardship, John packed his bags for home. In verse number 13, it says and Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. John Mark, who had gone along to be a helper, now became a coward. He turned his back on them. They needed him, but he went home. Why? What's the rationale? Was his mother sick? I don't know. Did he just fill up with fear? You ever had fear stop you from serving God? We've all done it. Fear may have frozen him. Maybe he just became faithless. Maybe he's a fraud. Maybe John Mark was just in it to shine a little bit because it was Barnabas, his uncle, and Saul, the apostle. I don't know what his rationale was. All I know is he quit. You know anybody that's quit? I do I know people that used to faithfully serve and friend, what they've done they just quit or oh, they would not never tell you they don't believe in God but they stopped serving they just went to the sideline they just quit I don't mean they got old and not able anymore I, I'm telling you they're still able they just quit friend don't ever be a coward If ever the gospel needed soldiers in the field, it's today. Don't quit. COVID moved a lot of people to the sidelines. COVID pruned the church. No doubt about it. Some people just went away and they went away to stay. Bible says they went out from us because they were not of us some people have gone and understandably so they are doing some good things and taking care of people but I'm here to tell you some people just quit just absolutely quit some come to church and they served in days gone by but they don't serve anymore they just have the John Mark complex of cowardice. Quit. Well, what happened to old John Mark? Thank God there was recovery. Amen. How do you recover if you've stepped away? Well, you gotta own it, you have to confess it, and then you have to take a step back into it that's what John Mark had to do he had to own his it's on me you know I just don't like the preacher. Uh, okay These days I don't like our pastor <laughs> tomorrow be one of them and Monday every Monday ah uh, you know I just don't do I, whatever just own it yourself would you Quit making stinking excuses. You know what an excuse is—skin of a skin of the truth, stuffed with a lie. Just own it, confess it, and then step back into it. But not only was there recovery, there was reinstatement. You're going to find here in a couple of chapters. In chapter 15, that Paul says to Barnabas, "Alright, we're fixing to go out again." And Barnabas said, "Let's take John, Mark. Let's give him a second chance." And Paul says, ha, 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 "You got to be kidding!" No. So last you hear of Barnabas, last you hear of Mark for a while. But something happened. I don't know what happened, but something happened. Because Paul reinstates John Mark How do you know that? Because he wrote about it In Colossians chapter 4 Verse number 10 He says To Aristarchus My fellow prisoner sends you greetings Also Barnabas' cousin Mark About whom you received instruction If he comes to you Kick him out? No. Paul said, welcome him. Hear me, church. Hear me, dear friend. If you've stepped away and you're ready to come home and reengage, Olive said, we welcome you. If you come to turn your heart to God and own it and just say, I'm ready to reengage, we welcome you. Those down there on the Warrington campus, do you know we've been at Warrington five years we've been down there? I'm going to go preach down there the last Sunday of this month. I hope we're going to have a record crowd that day that people come. I'll be there and we're going to, I'll preach here at 930 and I'm going down there and preach at 11 and we're going to preach on the screen here like we do down there every time. We'll, we'll we're going to turn it upside down preach and send it back here at 11 o'clock. Oh to reengage, a reinstatement. In Philemon the 24th verse when he speaks about these people that he loves he said as do Mark there it is Aristarchus Demas Luke my fellow what he's calling Mark his fellow worker he's received him and now Mark along with Aristarchus Demas Luke he's a fellow servant hallelujah he's gone to work again John Mark's been reinstated but then we find him one more time in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 11 only Luke is with me Paul said when he's writing, only Luke is with me, Timothy. But pick up Mark and bring him with you. For he is, say that word with me, useful. He is what? Useful. Amen to me in service. John Mark, the, the one that left and ran off and was a coward, and uh, Paul wouldn't have a thing to do with it. Oh, he's reinstated him. He said, now pick him up bring that young lad back to me have you ever gotten on the outs with a brother in the Lord You ever just had a divide with a brother in the Lord boy what a good day it is when you're able to wrap your arms around that brother say all is well all is well amen the call of God's in this place today the missionary call God's calling on some varied fronts he's calling people in here to go to go preach people in this room you before I brought it up the spirit of God's already been dealing with your heart about it and you know God's calls in your heart to go preach I had this sermon all ready to go, and I had a young man come to me. He said, I'll be at the 11 o'clock service. I'm going to come forward at 11. Now it's my call to preach. I said, hallelujah. I'm ready for you. He plans to be here at 11 o'clock. Maybe you're like him. The call of God's in your life to go. I said, well, I'm not going to be a preacher, but you can be a witness, amen. The call of God to go and preach. The call of God is here not only to go. There's a the call of God to come. To come to come to Jesus come to be safe come to the church come to membership come to baptism the call of God is here for you to come and thirdly there's the call to repent I used to be involved but now pastor I've gotten cold and I'm I'm ready to come home and go back to work for King Jesus I have people all the time say well what could I do well, next Saturday, we're having a work day here on Saturday morning. You can start right there. Just grab a hole, grab a shovel, put your gloves on, just come clean up. We're just cleaning up the campus because we're getting ready to host the Florida Baptist Convention. We're trying to shine it up a little bit. This little work needs to be done all around. You can start there. You can start with a witness to your neighbor. Start by taking a piece of cake. Just love them in Jesus' name. Just getting your hands dirty. Make some cookies. Make a witness. You say, well, you know, I'd rather not. That's the problem. god rather you did. And you say, Lord, here am I. Send me. If you're on that Warrington campus today, say yes to Jesus in service. If you're at home today and you've never trusted Christ, I hope that you'd send us a text. 850-50, 850-50, 850-50. Just text me the word Jesus. We'll get back to you. We'd love to reach out to you and for you to come. At 11 o'clock today, I'll give the invitation. In this second service, and There'll be people that'll come. But there'll be a little girl that'll come. She comes every week. If she's in the house, she's coming down here. And she comes and brings me a picture that she drew. And I put it in my pocket. Some weeks I write her a note, other weeks I don't. Some weeks I forget and some I just say, well, I'm not going to do it this week. But when I sense it in my heart I ought to I write her a little note she's just a little girl and I pray for her when I write that note and here's what I pray I say Lord I don't know why she's coming maybe she's showing off I don't know maybe somebody's sinner I, I don't know or maybe her heart's just as pure as can be I don't know but I say Lord let her never get over Because before she comes to me she always comes and kneels at this altar and then she comes to me I said Lord help her never get over the need to come and respond to your pull in her heart I don't know what God's calling you to do today but this is our hymn of appeal. And when we have this hymn of appeal, it's for one, somebody, you. Dad, maybe your family needs to join. Just reach over and take her by the hand and say, today's our day. Amen. You need to come be saved, then just come right here today. I'll be waiting on you. Join this church. It's a good day to come. Somebody God's called to ministry, called to preach, called to be a missionary, called to go, then come. Say, Pastor, I'm ready. I always remember the morning that Robert Gilliland came. (laughs) Robert walked down. He is a middle school assistant principal and took me by the hand. It was in November. He said, God's called us, preacher. I said, wonderful, wonderful. I met with him a little later and I said, We'll help you. We get to He said, No, I've already resigned my job. I said, You did what? I said, You're crazy. He said, God called. That's all I know. I'm going. There's a church down in Florida been talking to me about calling him to be the pastor. He never pastored a church before. And I thought, Lord, Robert Gillen is a pastor. He's a great educator. I don't know if he's a preacher. I, I don't know. I can tell you this. God's taken less and done more. There's a lot of him. I don't know what the call of God is in his life. I don't know what it is. I know what it is in mine. You need to say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. It's the call of God in your heart today. I invite you to come. Say yes to Christ, yes to this church. A family, you, a couple, you, or just one somebody, you, as God calls. Let's stand. All over this room, we're standing.